Namaste and welcome to the Modern Mystic Podcast, where we are exploring the mystical in the mundane and the magic in the present moment, bringing you ancient tools and technologies into modern day living, yoga, mythic, and healing conversations with expert and visionary powerhouses sharing their stories and secrets with you to help you live an inspired life. My name is Kilkenny, and today I am speaking with Catherine Pennypacker, who is a textile artist and painter, creating visual art pieces and projects with a mission of art for all and peace for all. Catherine has worked with a large variety of communities, people with and without physical disabilities, folks in the middle class and impoverished socioeconomic stratospheres alike individuals dealing with homelessness, and those with homes, seniors and young people. She also brings fine art into the addiction and recovery arenas as well as into prisons and reentry programs. She has worked closely with the world-renowned Mural Arts Philadelphia Organization program, donning her hometown Philly with her vibrant artwork and has been the recipient of many grants and much acclaim. I have experienced Catherine's work over many years, and I'm thrilled to have her truly visionary self to share about her art activism and her unique perspective on how to make one's life art. Namaste, and welcome, Catherine, to the Modern Mystic Podcast. Wow, so, so beautiful to be here with you. Thank you for the welcome. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Catherine, what does it mean to you to be a modern mystic? The question I ask all my guests first. You know, I just love this question. I've been thinking on it and uh, sort of as a stream of consciousness, just wrote a bunch of words down as I was sort of thinking about it for myself and for some of my mentors and colleagues. You know, what does this mean? So I was thinking, Kilkenny, like, for me, a modern mystic, it's like to be gentle and kind and rock solid yet soft as sand. It's flexible and caring and dynamic. I'm an advocate. As a modern mystic, I'm a big lis- listening ear. I'm a, a heart of now. I'm a creative. I'm an uplifter. I'm fearless and Unafraid because I see you as you see me, as me and you. And love is our middle name. I'm here now in disaster and I'm here now with hope. As a modern mystic, I'm seeing the essence and the magnificence of life and marvelous you. That's who I try to be as, as a modern mystic. I, I focus on solutions and I want to be a magnet for creating what what's wanted Mm, so so juicy I I love and what really stood out for me is the whole love is my middle name Mm. that anchoring and love that's so profound right because mysticism is so much about sourcing our choices and our actions in this world right that's why I call this podcast modern mystic to be modern to be of the world in the world and yet sourcing it from this place of love, the place of love, which is the, the truly wellspring of, of mysticism, of connection. Right. So yeah. very beautiful. And one of the things I love about your, your art activism 
and work in this world is the solution based orientation that you have that's so healing and I can't wait to talk about that more but you mentioned that too about you know how do we source the mysticism and our connection from this place of love and then leverage and parlay it into solutions that change the world as we go back into the world mm. and as we make our moment-to-moment life um, and mysticism in the world right how do we how do we live here right now whether the now is disaster or if the now here is celebration right how do how do we be in that space yeah i hear you that now yeah i love the 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 word now um i always think about that word so thank you for bringing that up because now spelled backwards is one so I think about wow. when we're in the now, we've won, right? Mm. We've won. <laughs> whether it's disaster, whether it's <laughs> the right. highs right. Um, or the middles or those lows, as you mentioned, that the winning is just being present, mm. um, which is so much what about the mystic path is about receiving life as it is and, and then working with it. Yeah. Mm. Love that. So one of the most extraordinary things about you and your work in this world is, like I mentioned, the way that you embody thinking about and contemplating solutions. <laughs> so I love that word you used. And the way you also really communicate and embody a sense of awe and wonder about this world. Mm. You work in so many settings that are so intense and for many could feel really depressing from old age homes to prisons to homeless shelters. Are there certain practices that you do to keep yourself upbeat, centered, and you're so lit up amidst such intense environments? Mm. Well, that's, that's a great question. So, you know, I never, I never really thought of it like a, a directly intentional practice but as but as I've been reflecting on it more and more with with each sort of gig I walk into each moment that I walk into I've found that yes I've I really do need uh some time to gather myself right so so whether it's you know, before I, I go to my seniors and, and, and do an art studio with them, I, I find myself just like sitting with myself and kind of reminding myself, gathering myself, okay, Kat, don't, don't forget to, you know, just, just be present, right? So, so one thing about me, Kilkenny, is that like I take public transportation around. So I really use, you know, the, the, the vehicle of the vehicle <laughs> to, to, uh, create that ritual of, 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 of quiet time, of focusing time, um, to, to go from like all these real disparate opportunities, you know, whether it's at the, at the shelter with my nanas and my pop-ups or with, with folks in active addiction where I do the studio. So, you know, I, I, I don't know, I need to find, I always, I always create like a little time to myself. I find like I thrive when I'm, I've got a good balance of, of, of me time. And then that feeds me to be really present with wherever I'm at, whom, whomever I'm hanging out with. Right. So, 
Um, so finding that, finding that balance is really critical. So, you know, like this one particular, uh, place where I do some work that I know we'll talk about at some point in Kensington, you know, I, I've had a ritual where I always get up extra early and I take the train and I hang out at this one little cafe and, uh, you know, I, 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 eat my egg and cheese sandwich and drink a coffee. It's funny because I'm shifting up my, my uh, diet a little bit right now, so I need to re-sort of wire what I eat with my rituals. But, like, the point that I'm getting at is um, having that time to prepare myself, right, to get myself present, completely present. That's always been really important to me. Mm. That's so so interesting to hear because I think in our modern day rushed society, yeah. that's something that's missing so much. Big time. And and how many times do we even fa- feel like we could give ourselves permission to do something like that? It's it's a great great practice, and it really is. Like one could think, oh well, getting a cup of coffee or you know riding public transportation, like as not a ritual as just um point a to point b and in the middle of that time be checking social or be checking you know the the myriad of emails and contacts that we're getting but those those small times if we take those sacred pockets of peace and what i hear is a, a lot of it sounds like you're actually nourishing like you're nourishing your body and you're inputting into yourself before you output yeah, it's a way for me really to to sort of gather gather myself, gather my thoughts, gather my emotions, you know, uh, just be present. You know, it it it's just, yeah, you're right. It it totally helps me. Uh, like like, I if someone offers me a ride somewhere, I'll sometimes say no thanks. I'm going to hop the bus. It's I, I got to take care of a few things. You know, so it, like it's it's like a, it's a sacred pause for me. To like mm. sort of build into my practice time, right? So you know, if if it's before an art opening or a talk or a workshop or whatever, you know, I've got my own little rituals of you know maybe eating a banana, you know, just to make sure that I'm nourishing my body because if I'm anxious, you know, I you know I might I might be hungry too, you know, so I want to make sure I've got the water and the food and the and the peace of energy, peace of mind. So you know, I always like to figure out ways, you know to take care, take care of yourself. Because if, you know, isn't it true if we're not really taking care of ourselves, then how can we be present to support and love and, and be with uh, sharing and helping and not, not helping so much, but with attending to with someone else. Yep. So true. And when we're outputting and holding space for healing and yes. supporting others as you do so bountifully, and, and so many people do, you know, the three, five minute, 10 minute, like are profound. And I think so often people think, oh, I don't have time. And, right. and maybe don't realize that carving out like three minutes. I know even when I'm speaking or teaching, like two, three minutes of just, as you're saying, going somewhere quiet, just solo time, whether it's having a snack, doing a, a breathing technique, a grounding technique, checking in, whatever it is, um, you know, three minutes can make such a difference. And even I think to offer listeners when you're, you're in transit to different meetings and different places, um, as a culture, we don't 
really teach one another how to how to make those little sacred pockets of peace that can be so replenishing. It's so true, yeah, because we're so quick to quick check the email, quick to check the text. Oh, yeah, I forgot to get back to someone, you know. So our minds are constantly going, going, going. So we really have to, like you said, pockets of peace, like create that into our daily daily lives. Yeah, and that's part of being a mystic. It's practices, practices. Yeah. And it doesn't always look like sitting on a cushion or doing a certain pose or, right. you know, these. It's the practices that we weave into our moment-to-moment lives that are are the, the mystic path. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Truly. Thank you for that elucidating answer. I love to really initiate the litany of your incredible work as a professional artist for the listeners with an abridged version of your professional artistic career and its journey. Because I know and I've heard how it was initiated with being a poetess and words first, right? And then eventually developed into fine art. So could you talk and walk us through that a little bit? Because it's a fascinating <laughs> Sure, very, very uh, circuitous, right? It, it, you're right. I, 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 I started off going, well, actually, you know, I started off uh, the, the first year or so of college with elementary education, you know, and then mm-hmm. from there, I I just I I knew I loved words, so I started uh, sh- shifting into creative writing and and the word and poetry and, and short story and just loving words. And then I don't know. At some point, words wor- words just felt a little little too much. And I'm getting ahead of myself because you know what happened was here I am in college, right? This was a gazillion years ago in the mid to late '80s. And my, I remember my, my counselor saying to me, all you need is one more credit and you can get a minor in art. So I was like, really? Because <laughs> I hear it was taking all these like ceramics and paper making and this and that. So, so you know, the way of, of this circuitous path, I took a one credit weaving in college that totally opened up my world. So text, words really opened up into textiles and uh, <laughs> weaving, right? So I graduated with, with the, 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 the writing and doing some art and some weaving. And then, uh, and that was, that was all well and good, but I, I just, I wasn't quite sure what that meant for me, right? I took a trip across the country. I took a road trip and met a weaver out on the West Coast and, I, I walked into their studio and I had one of those aha moments, like, what is this? Right. So, um, you know, so like to sort of answer your question, Kilkenny, it's, it's like, it was, it, it was, it was words and then it was art. And then, you know, then I was thinking, well, I want to do both. I remember sitting down with my, my weaving teacher who I ended up doing an apprenticeship with, uh, in, in California. And, uh, you know, he said, well, Catherine, you can go on to graduate school for creative writing, or you could just lead a really interesting life as a weaver, <laughs> as an artist, and write about it. And, and to me, that, that, that was really, I was just sort of like click something within me. So I ended up, I, I, was, I was writing, I was weaving. Um, and then so like, yeah, where did the... Uh, where did, where did the community piece fit in, you know? And this is what I find so interesting about life. It's like, you know, oftentimes aren't we 
you know, in, encouraging our youth to like pick a path, stick to the path and, and just do it. Right. And so, you know, what I found with encouragement from family and friends and mentors and this and that was, um, and this is when I, what, what I was reflecting on is like, it is, is follow, following what I loved, what I love really it's, it sets me on fire. So, so I'm still writing, you know, and, and, um, and I'm making art. I, I paint, I weave, um, you know, I've figured out ways to really connect with community because I feel like I'm a lover. I'm an uplifter. I just love people. So, you know, I've, I've figured out ways to, to connect community, um, and art and, and sometimes do writing exercises as well. Um, and one thing that I've realized is that it's like everything's got its time and place, right? So it's like, for me, I was, I was referring to earlier how like, uh, you know, I really cherish that solo studio, uh, uh, solo time alone, like that, that ritual of pockets of presence kind of thing that you're referring to. But then I also really love like the, the energy of, of groups and of community. So I really have found that, you know, sort of loving these different, different ways of expressing myself, um, whether it be writing, whether it be weaving, whether it be painting a wall mural or working with a community, like they, they all have their, sort of their, their place in who I am, you know, and I, I, and I just sort of reference, reference that with, uh, with, well, what's, what's the bottom line is, um, following what I love, right? Fault like, like not feeling the pressure of figure it out. You gotta, you gotta pick one thing and you gotta do it for the rest of your life. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, so, you know, I, I even have had like this, this sort of like silly moment between me and me of like, yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe I'll be a, a well, my, my dad was a florist, my grandfather and all that. So it's like, hey, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll, I'll work with flowers more too, you know? So, well, even a couple of years ago, I, I found myself, you know, like collecting flowers and giving out flowers at what this one community project that I was doing. So, so I think, you know, it's like, it, it's just like I'm, I'm following what I love, you know, and when I, when I'm following that, that heartbeat, then gigs and projects and people and, and energy just, it just opens up for me. So, mm. hey, do you know, you know that, you know that everyone knows that expression or that phrase through Nike commercial, like, uh, just do it, right? Just do it. And mm -hmm. I know for me, it's like, I've just like, you know, onto what we're talking about right now. It's like, I, I just have always wanted to like, sort of change that up on its head a little bit and like, do it anyway, you know, just do it anyway. Mm -hmm. Like when I, when I feel that pressure of, well, you really ought to be doing X, Y, and Z, right? You know, it's just like, um, if I, if I sort of find that centering within myself and I'm listening to that inner voice, that that is so easy to miss if we're not if we're not creating that time of, of listening and of mindfulness, you know. But you know, once I f listen and, and and follow that, um, I I know where to go. You know, I've, I've got that inner compass. I love so so many things that you said. Yeah, I was thinking of the Joseph yeah. Campbell quote. Yeah follow your bliss, right? Yes. The, the great, the great archetype writer and, and spiritual mystic Joseph Campbell. And that, that 
truth of just so many people have that pressure that's societal and whether that infiltrates, you know, then a familial level of the family adding that pressure or it comes from oneself, from the societal pressures. And I would think even more so with artists, right? Like figure it out. Like, okay, if you're brave enough to take that road less traveled by and Mm -hmm. become an artist, then I would think often there's the questions, oh, well, like, what are you doing now? And, and like, even more of a heightened pressure of figuring it out from others. Is that the case? That is the case. That is Mm -hmm. the case. Yeah. So you do definitely have to sort of, you know, uh, know thyself, right? Mm -hmm. Be be okay with thyself, right? One thing that you were saying reminded me of how sometimes like different things that, that we each resonate to have their own their their own sort of charm or gift right so like for me the weaving is very time precise focused right whereas for me painting and the mural work that I do is a wonderful sort of expressive impulsive intuitive quick right the weaving and the painting have that sort of like altering or, or I don't know if counter is the word, but like tandem or complementary in a way, um, you know, as, as does the, the community projects that I do where I'm working with a bunch of people um, and then needing that time solo in my studio. So I, I, I feel like, you know, all these different, different journeys, you know, there's a, a common, common thread of, of do I love it? does it set me on fire because you know there's a lot of miserable people walking around right and so if if we if we can do our best to really tap into and align ourselves with those things that set us on fire that that's a good thing for 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 us as a community and as a society it mm, doesn't set me on fire is such a magnificent thing to ask oneself because we feel like you know life can the experience is long, but then we know it isn't long. It's actually short. And we have moments where we remember and, and feel that too. Right. And part of the mystic path is really keeping that remembrance actually that life is very fleeting. And so what sets our spirits on fire, because that's what spirit wants us to do. Right. Mm -hmm. Like the universe spirit wants us to serve and, and literally, as you put it, be set on fire with passion, with our unique medicine that only we have to offer this world. So if we're not really set on fire by our work and our dharma, our dharma meeting, our duty and and our um, gifts that we are here to to help offer to heal this world, then we're not really even in alignment with life. So such a, such an awesome point. And um, I love what you're talking about the, the inhalation is what came to my mind and the exhalation, right? Yes. When we breathe <laughs> as yes. mindful, conscious practitioner, there's the outgoing breath and then the ingoing breath and our lives emulate that. And yes. it sounds like you really have such a, such a pulse on that with your work and a beautiful balance of that. I remember when I lived in South Philadelphia, you were heading up, taking this really dumpy municipal parking lot and, um, not only contributing and helping to paint a beautiful large wall mural, but there was a smaller dilapidated wall connected to it. And I I just wanted you to start the journey of speaking more specifically about how you really move towards 
making community activated art because I know I'm not a fine artist and I don't tend to move towards things that utilize that skill. However, you with your passion, I was out there and you had us all painting silhouettes of ourselves, which was so brilliant because then you, we knew what to do. Those of us who aren't fine artists and then you wove like you're a weaver, but you literally wove all of us together in this project so that we then got to know each other more we painted these silhouettes of ourselves and, and you encouraged us just to, you know, paint any way that made sense that represented ourselves. And it was this incredibly, you know, really deepening, masterful experience of, of art and community. So was there a, a moment where you started to think about your art in the way of community activation? I know you talked about following the breadcrumbs of the universe and the signs. And I love that yeah, because that's so much about the mystic path, following those breadcrumbs with your inner GPS listening. But yeah, talk, talk to me and the listeners please about this, this, um, I won't say pivot, but yeah. towards the community activism in your work. Yeah, sure. You know, it's interesting because it's like, I remember, I remember, I have different aha moments in my life, right? You know, where like certain things will be like really crystal clear, like, here's an idea, grab it, you know? And so I remember, like, even before moving back to South Philadelphia, um, you know, getting really crystal clear that I I wanted to be on the on the art path with with people. Um, I, I didn't know what that would look like, but it, that just was really clear to me. And that would have been like back in, say, 92 when I was trying to figure out how I was going to put all this together, right? And then fast forward um, a couple years when I'm ahead when I moved to South Philly, which is what you were just talking about, which is a great memory back for that project. Um, that aha moment. Kilkenny was literally just looking outside of my window across the street was this lot, right? And there was it was full of trash and like you said, tires and but but in that same space were all these children in the neighborhood nearby playing. And I was just like, what can we do here? Like this doesn't seem to fit together. So what can we do? So it was just like Okay, we we got to do something. So I just remember, you know, g- talking to a couple people, and you know, one thing led to the next in terms of where can we get some paint, get some paint donated, have some people help clean up, gather. Um, oh, and you know what I was reflecting on too is that, geez, I was I had just completed. Let's see, I had just had a surgery not too long before that on my hip, so I was on crutches, um, and so. What I what I realized as I was sort of reflecting on this on the sort of moment was needing other people and other people needing one another to all do something together, right? And so that was like the sort of a, the aha moment for me was how can we all come together and do something positive where we're helping and making beautiful and literally carrying things and having ideas and creating meetings and putting up posters on the, on the polls and then gathering people together. And, and so, and, and, you know, while that was sort of going on as well in that same parking lot was this large wall, large, large wall. And I looked at that wall and I was like, I want to learn how to make, how to paint a big mural, right? So 
so for me, it was like a combination of like doing what I could do with the lower, long, low walls with the community that I loved, and then also getting um, in touch with with someone in the neighborhood to apprentice with to learn uh, larger mural mural painting. So, you know, it was just like a really interesting moment of like all coming together and, and creating this this beautiful space for people to then come together and play right and the lot was beautiful and um now i don't want to be too much of a cynic here but you know it, it was during an election year and the mayor came for the for the dedication um yeah, so, it, was a, it ended up being a really big deal it, but that was that was an, uh, whatever politics are you know were, exactly, were going on exactly. it became like a this was a really big deal this really shifted really an entire community and and to this day this is a city where i live when i'm looking for parking i can still get free parking there yeah, it's, exactly. it's incredible it's still this thriving area that yeah. many people benefit from so yeah. i love this story because it really sparks the idea of paying attention but mm. you said the narrative i looked out the window yes and this is what i saw yes and that could you know seem almost like a, an innocuous little thing and yet actually when we look around us and really pay attention to what actually is going on in front of us this is when we're in that now and that's mm. when we won right and that's when we make concrete change in this world because we're meeting the moment as it is and then as you did so skillfully trying to leverage it into mm -hmm. something even more magical and beautiful and maybe you know like a phoenix help create and rise something up that's in a, a state of despair into something magnificent so yeah. Yeah. Just amazing. Yeah. And you do that in so many projects. And I love the listeners to hear and become inspired with, with the other projects that you've done. Let's start because we're on the topic of, of mural and wall painting mm -hmm. with your project in tandem with the Mural Arts Philadelphia Organization, Finding Home, where you led weaving workshops at homeless shelters and public sites throughout Philly and created this really magnificent woven canvas. It's outside as part of a mural. So it's this three-dimensional piece. Those of you who live in Philly, um, it's around 13th and Ludlow. Mm -hmm. But the project's aim was to break down the issues and stigma around homelessness and bring people with and without a home together. So yeah, can you speak about this program? Yeah, so, so that was something... Um a number of years ago, uh, as you were saying, through the mural arts program, and uh, we basically, I walked into the space, uh, and I was really feeling like, you know, we let's create, let's create not let's let's create a way to have this art go even deeper into the experience of folks, right? And Catherine, but, I just want to pause you, please. Sure. What space? So the listeners can contextualize this. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, so the mural itself later, later was, was installed at 13th and Ludlow. However, the making of the space like, like you're referring to happened in many uh, shelters all around the city. One particular one though, eighth and arch, which is now I think a parking garage, but at the time about, 15 years ago or so was an actual what's referred to as a cafe um, 
which is during the wintertime, the city will open up various spaces for folks that don't have home to be able to go inside and just have a warm place to, to sleep on the floor. So it was at this space where that, that we turned it in two days a week into our studio. So we'd, I'd get there early in the morning and we'd pull the looms out that we had tucked, tucked to the side and we literally, um, everyone, oh, everyone was like so eager to be a part of this project, right? So, so it's like setting up the space, the tables, you know, um, the chairs, getting out the markers. We were, we were, folks were writing messages on this non-woven, what, what we refer to as parachute cloth. It's like a non-woven fabric that we would normally be, if you can imagine, like wallpapered onto the wall, normally for murals sometimes. Um, we cut it into strips, and we had folks write on those strips, well, what does home mean to you? What, what, does that feel, what does that look like? What does that feel like, right? And, so and just we, to clarify, these are individuals at the time who don't have a specific home, correct? Correct, yeah. They, were, they, they were staying um, there. Uh, they were sleeping there in the evening, uh, but yeah, virtually uh, uh, homeless, exactly. So, um, so they, we were working all together, just like creating... Uh, this workshop where they could have their voice but what made it extra beautiful was not only do we do it at this shelter but we did it in many shelters around the area and city spaces as well and we would pull people together anyone and everyone from everywhere right so that we could all sit down together and do and weave write messages write what we're feeling thinking and then and then weave over under over under and make these mats with this entrenched with this message of home of what is home what belonging it's where i where i'm visible it's where i feel loved it's where i feel welcome right so messages like that so so and so they're <laughs> taking strips and writing these sentiments and then you said weaving them into mats uh yeah so we had these like uh these f real simple frames that we built. So what, what the first part of the project uh, was literally hammering and nailing and building these simple frames, large frames. They were probably about two by three feet kind of size. And then, yes, we, and then, and then putting string around them, the warp is what we call it, the string. So we were teaching, you know, weaving and warping and building and then the writing and then the weaving over, under, over, under, and then weaving those strips uh, to make the cloth or the canvas for what became the mural. So uh, it was sort of like the, the, the foundation of the mural itself was woven with the essence, the spirit, the messages of, of folks. Mm, so now if people are listening and they're not living in Philadelphia, which are you know most listeners from around the world, this can be Googled, obviously. Yep. And is, is the title Finding Home, that mural? I forget yes. the title. Yes, Finding Home, yep. Mm -hmm. That's amazing. So the, the art is three-dimensional on a huge city urban wall and it's infused with these individuals words still to this day. So right. I love the idea of with your history, even text textile and putting text in right. the textile on right. the mural, just right. so brilliant. <laughs> and you know, what was extra beautiful about this project Kilkenny is that like we had folks, you know, when you're weaving together and you're having conversations together, you, you start to really see like, ah, oh, 
you could be my brother, right? You could, you could be my sister. You know, you start up these conversations and you feel at ease with one another and you're talking about the weather or you're talking about this or, or whatever. And, you know, and it gets a little deeper than that and it gets a little deeper and, oh, can I help you with this? And, oh, can you help me cut this? And, you know, you start to really see one another work together. And that was the beauty of the project was that it really broke down the stigma of, um, of who other is. Yeah. Other. It's such, so, so at times, um, profoundly a barrier and can, when slowly dissolved as you do with your work, seeing the other as oneself and making connection and community and doing that in the way of art. It seems to me that for people who don't have homes and who might really feel that stigma strongly, then really foster a lot of healing mm, Yeah, for them, which I'm sure you saw, did you not? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was so beautiful, you know, like, okay, so like when you, when you do a pretty significant project like this and then it's installed, you know, so it's like then as a permanent project that one can go see, um, you know, that's, that's a really big deal. Um, so to have folks that were actually weaving and making these mats to then come back later and help us install it, right. And then come back and visit and see it and then have it just sort of carry on, um, you know, has been really impactful as well. And then the other thing is, is just like with, with mural arts and with other projects, it's like after, after we have these big projects, well, then what? Right. Well, then what? Right. That was so, my next question. Yeah, and then what? And that's and that's something that really that I think about a lot because you know lots of time and money and focus can be put into really significant projects, and then they're all said and done, and then what? Right. Mm -hmm. So you know, and what I'm really uh, committed to, and and what 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 really keeps me going is keeping the keeping the, and then what alive in my heart so that relationships are, you know, funnily enough, I just got a text from, from someone that I've kept in touch with as, as uh, from that project, you know, it's like keeping those, those connections and, and conversations and, and relationships, uh, you know, alive. And, um, you know, and then after the finding home, after the finding home mural was, was completed, you know, we created a temporary studio in South Philly on South Street, which is another area in Philadelphia, um, where they where they had like this uh, studio activation uh, storefront activation. So um, you know, we wanted to keep keep weaving, keep teaching people how to so, weave and make things. Yep. So these people then could could go there. Yeah, and exactly. And yeah, that yeah that that continuation is a really important point with these type of projects. Yeah, I know. Um, I just think of you uh, and your your art career as like the Joan of Arc archetype because <laughs> you're really so fearless. Um, and, you know, I've had someone recently say to me, you know, oh, you know, because I teach yoga. Oh, you, you work with people's like bodies and sweat and feet and hands. And wow, like that's that's amazing because I'm such a germaphobe and like you're so brave. And I'm like, whatever, like my like. <laughs> I was thinking of our interview, upcoming interview, like Catherine <laughs> is like the Joan of Arc because that is nothing compared to the, the situations that 
you are fearlessly going into and bringing your art into these most intense places. Another one of these places is your current work with the Kensington storefront project Mm -hmm. called Tuesday Textiles and Tea, which is in the heart of Kensington, Philadelphia. For those of you listening who don't know this, this area is the country's worst hotspot for the opioid drug epidemic that is decimating lives and families. And it's at an alarming rate. The opioid crisis has tripled deaths among Philly's homeless population in the last decade. And it's only getting worse. Um, The years 2017 to 2020, more than 3,000 people died directly of drug overdoses. And those are the the ones that, of course, are recorded and known about. And it's estimated in Philadelphia that tens of thousands of folks are struggling with addiction challenges. And so wherever you're living, in most parts of the world, um, particularly if you're living in the United States, you know, your area, whether you know it or not, is being affected by this crisis. It might not be publicized as much yet as it is where Catherine and I live. But if you're not aware of it, please educate yourself about it, which can start here and now with this conversation, because it will be coming more and more into the forefront of the news until our society and government supports those affected by it more effectively with greater skills and resources. So this collective societal crisis that needs our attention, and and Catherine, you've really moved towards becoming a leader in facing and supporting this situation dead on. Can you please share about this program, Tuesday Textiles and Tea? Yeah, yeah. There, that's, it's, it, it's a project that is so close to my heart. Um, and it started off uh, as like a little pilot program. And, and just back just a minute and say that like it's, it's a program that's sponsored through the Mural Arts Philadelphia, like you were saying, as well as the city of Philadelphia and a couple other partners. Um, and they wanted to create a, a, a physical space in Kensington, right at the heart of the of the crisis, like you were saying. So it's called the Kensington Storefront. So all throughout the week, there's all sorts of programs. So there there's Tuesday Tea and Textiles. There's other painting and and uh, music classes and all sorts of community engagement proje- projects. So so about three years ago, my colleague Lisa Kelly and I um, pitched an idea to do two workshops, basically to take all of the day of, of a Tuesday and do a morning workshop and then an afternoon workshop and really have the whole day be all about uh, creativity. We refer to it as like our uh, sanctuary studio. It's a safe place for folks to come in to a uh, hot day that gets a place to uh, cool air and to sit down, to get a cup of tea, a peanut butter and jelly sandwich to we have beading and, and 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 coloring and painting and little weavings that we've been making um, we've got folks um that are there through the partnership of the city that are uh certified recovery specialists so if anyone wants any services and help and they're maybe they're ready for a program to get into a detox program um their services ready for that um there's nurses that are there if there's any wound care. So, you know, it's the kind of, it's the kind of uh, space, the Kensington storefront, that has just been like a beacon of hope. You know, it's been like this, like I was saying, like a, a sanctuary studio. It's a, it's a place of, 
of belonging, of no judgment, of no stigma, of come on in, you're welcome here. And, and what's been beautiful about this space is anyone and everyone comes in, you know, it's like, it's, 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 it's so loving, so much love and welcome and creativity that, um, you know, it's just, it, it's infectious. I don't know if that, if, if that's a, the proper word for this conversation at all, but it's just like, it's so like, so vibrant. Right. And so, um, now it started off. It's start. I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I just wanted to to ask you if you'd be so kind to to share, like, what specifically about making art that you can articulate hmm. really helps foster this healing and incredibly supportive, nurturing environment. Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So, you know, a lot of what we do is, is art as harm reduction, right? So like to, you know, making art, it's like when I'm weaving, um, I feel good. I feel calm. I feel focused. I hear people say, hey, I can do this. I hear people say it brings meaning. It brings purpose. It, it, it brings confidence. It brings a sense of of, of, conf yeah, confidence, I said. So, you know, it, you know, around, around what is sort of, you know, toted as like the big opioid epidemic, you know, I like to think of it as like a despair crisis, right? So many people are in a state of despair and overwhelm. Um, and so they're, they're really just trying to find some relief. And, and then, you know, there's, there's unfortunately bad, Bad effects to, to that when there's addiction medicine addiction right so so it just kind of can really skyrocket out of control with with the addiction crisis but like ultimately at the at the base of it it's like despair so like what does art do to answer your question it's like it's it, it's a way of like really soothing and 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 lightening and 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 focusing the mind you know and of of it, it, for weaving, because I'm a I'm a painter, but I'm I'm, I'm primarily a weaver, you know. And in, in the in the context of, of of the of the material that I work with, it's like there's there's lots of great metaphors with um, in the context of the weaving. So it's like you know weaving over under over under up down up down. So it's like the the contrast of like good days bad days up down, you know, and and that contrast that we all can relate to in life, right? Mm. Um, you know, it's so it's such it's such a way. To, to sort of, uh, you know, understand. And then, you know, in terms of like when you're, when you're, when you're working with yarn, you know, we tie knots on the end of clusters of yarn, you know, as a way of like holding on to something to then carry you through over, under, over, under. And that's a great metaphor of like, what can you anchor yourself to that will, that you can hold on to that will give you some hope? What are some nice strategies to get you from, the right side to the left side, for example, as, as bare bones is the weaving metaphor, right? But like the anchoring, right? Mm. Um, so it sounds like the, the, the practices, which you so beautifully articulated, you know, can give us an experiential, yes. um, lived, felt, you know, tangibly experience and these individuals of that. Um, and then also the conversations are opened up about these things too when you're creating art with others in these situations. Is that correct? Precisely. Yeah. Conversations mm -hmm. open up and you know, there's the, 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 the thing of like, I teach you, then you teach somebody. 
right? And, mm-hmm. and what that means, right? It, it becomes, you know, a tool for um, really building community when, when you have not just one person sort of showing, right? But you have someone showing, but then another person learning and showing somebody else and them learning and acting and doing. And everyone feels needed. They feel a part of something. They feel like they are contributing. And, and, and I think that's a big, big part of this uh, recipe for, for health, for uh, um, a recipe for, you know, what's, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, of just really um, uh, feeling, feeling grounded and feeling yeah. like, okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And what you said, that word soothing, right? Because yeah. we are in this hyper modern, busy society, you know, that is out of balance. Right. And so these individuals facing these addiction challenges are looking, as you said, for soothing, as really most of us are. <laughs> and, you know, on the mystic path, you know, the practices are offered as ways to soothe. Um, the practices, like you had to reference our conversation earlier, of nourishing and, and taking a little bite of food as a practice and really thinking about chewing your food and whether it's your sandwich before you work with your artist or whatever it is, right? Those are all soothing techniques. Um, and, and so the art can be soothing for everyone. You know, I had that experience when I wove with you. Again, not a fine artist would never have, you know, voluntarily by myself started a weaving. And it was so meditative. It was so soothing. It was, it was a literal meditation. It was a moving meditation, and right. um, and the way think, the way that we do these little workshops too, it's like when you when it, when it comes time to cut these little pieces off, right? It, it you get the help of the person across the table from you to like hold this while they cut while you cut, you know. So like you're working t- in tandem. So you know, like like a, a good nugget is just like we really see like, hey, wow, you know, you're like my you're my neighbor. You could be my sister. You could be my brother. You know, you're you're, you're I I recognize you. You know, so it's like your one's anxiousness about paying their bills could be someone else's anxiousness about where they're going to find a clean pair of socks. Could be someone else's anxiousness about what, whatever. You know, what I mean, we we've all got our stuff that we're challenged with. So it's it, it strips it all down to we're just here together, and we're weaving, and let's see what we what. what similarities there are here Mm. and and for the listeners too i think if you're like me not so fine art oriented it it could be something to explore as a practice just bringing something i know knitting has come back really big a lot of people have been knitting i know those mandala coloring books for a couple years in a row are like selling out everywhere Mm -hmm. because people were turning and collectively more towards art making that, you know, if you're not a professional artist or you don't think you're good at art, quote unquote, or you're not working with kids, a lot of adults don't do art. Right. And the, the healing and therapeutic value is so, so great. Um, and then, of course, so profound with the demographics that you're working with. I wondered, what are a few concrete, even if simple ways that you could suggest that our listeners as global citizens and conscious, mindful humans can do to show up and help shift this national epidemic of the opioid situation? Like if we're sitting listening to this podcast right now, 
What's yeah. something that one could do to contribute? Great question. Thanks for asking that because there, there are such little ways that can make huge differences, you know, and, you know, I, I was just thinking like, I, you know, if I could encourage everyone to carry with them wherever they go, um, a clean pair of socks, um, a bottle of water, um, that that's a good start. If I could encourage everyone just to, we spoke of it earlier, just like slow down a little bit, you know, and, and when you, when you see someone on the side of the street, when you're walking by, um, just look at them, say hello, you know, just, or nod, you know, just like sort of bring back, bring back the, the moment of connection. Um, mm-hmm. you know, if you want to carry, carry, a you know, s- snacks, a cracker, uh, you know, a snack pack or, uh, fruit, you know, it's always helpful, of course. Um, but, you know, I, I find socks are always welcome, right? Um, and water. Um, I know another thing that for our listeners, something that, you know, I'm, I'm continually learning too, right? I learned when I was starting off the weaving workshops, like you don't use the word um, bundle, right? Uh, when referring to gathering pieces of string together, uh, because a bundle is also used as a word for drug paraphernalia, right? So changing up my language to cluster, gathering a cluster of yarn together, right? And so, you know, we might all be rolling our eyes, but really we have to think about how we talk about the, the, the topic and, and the issue. And, and our dear hearts, people, you know, you may not know someone yourself, but I can guarantee you that there is someone... Um, in, in your world, in your neighborhood that knows someone or themselves is struggling with some sort of challenge. So, you know, to, to, you know, shed, shed words that bring stigma, you know, shed words such as bomb or addict or, or druggy or junkie or whatever. And just, mm-hmm. and let's, let's go more with like person centered language. Um, you know, someone, uh, like, you know, when, when we talk about, uh, things with one another, in our, you know, around the dinner table, um, uh, on the bus with people or, or whatever, you know, just like in general, it, it's a muscle we have to practice, you know, it's like, how, mm-hmm. how are we, you know, really referring to one another and the other, right? And so it's better, or, or it's, it's softer to say, you know, someone, someone who's got an addiction challenge, or someone in active addiction, or, uh, you know, someone, someone who doesn't have a place to sleep or someone who doesn't have a home, you know? Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, 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 it's, it's, it's important. You know, there are little things, but it, it's important because there's just a lot of, a lot of stigma and a lot of overwhelm about the, the topic. Right. You know, so folks just like, Oh geez, can we stop talking about that already? It's like, no, let's just change it a little bit. Let's be softer about it. Let's see one another as, as human beings um, and you know, what can we do in real small steps to love and support and uplift one another? So beautiful. Thank you for that wisdom of how to uplevel our language. And like you said, soften because only in softening can we help be part of the solution to these mm. epic proportion situations and challenges in our society that so many people are facing. Yeah. So thank you for that. You have also another program that I would love our listeners to hear about initiated the inspiring adopt offense project, which you self-described as outdoor 
gorilla weavings between chain link fences and gates in your travels across the country and a lot in your hometown using colorful pipe cleaners, jute and gimp to uplift and communicate your messages of hope. And they're often, as you do so beautifully, shining light in really disregarded neighborhoods. So they're often found there and would love for you to tell us about these ingenious brainchilds of yours. Sure. Yeah, that was another sort of aha moment um, many years ago where I, where I was like, you know, I just want to bring art to, like you were saying, overlooked neighborhoods and communities where, where there isn't art, right? Or where folks can't readily access art. So, um, so I've just been going uh, to my own neighborhood, other neighbors, anywhere, you name it, wherever there's a chain link fence, wherever there's a little love and needed somewhere. Um, I'll, I'll literally tie, tie clusters of yarn on the fence in patterns in such a way to, uh, sometimes do big, think of it like big shaggy hearts or big sh shaggy rugs, but on a fence, right? So like I've done hearts. Um, I once did a, a musical note, um, Recently, um, I did some lettering that reads uh, uh, Black Lives Matter. I did another one that reads uh, Breathe Justice. Um, so, you know, uh, there, it's a project of just bringing art out there. And so, like, for that thing, too, I just want to point out, it's like I don't want to just, like, sort of beam myself into a neighborhood that's not familiar to me. So... Um, you always want to be, you know, respectful and, and sort of connect with folks in, in the community where you, where you might be doing something to make sure that it's welcomed and appreciated. Um, so, you know, a lot of times when I'll, when I'll go do something like this, I'll, I'll, I'll get there in the morning and, and have an egg sandwich somewhere at the cafe or the diner or the corner store, or the stoop or you name it where, and, um, talk to some of the neighbors and, and then, um, put an idea out and, and get their feedback and, and all that. So, so that, you, you consciously pick places ahead of time, obviously. Mm -hmm. Um, and people sponsor you with this or do you go out and do this or talk to me please about how, how the, the creative process works. Gotcha. Thanks. So, yeah. So it's a little bit of everything, right? So like the idea with the adopt defense sponsor shag project, um, is, was a thought inspired idea that I had of like, geez, everyone, everyone's just like doing their best to lead their own awesome life. Right. Everyone's doing their thing, right. You're, you're doing your yoga, everyone, you know, you got your doctors and your school teachers and your, uh, you name it. everyone's got their life, their challenges, their things that they're excited by, you know, and, but they, but they, and they so want to be, figure out a way to be a part of these other things as well. So I thought this, this would be a great way to sort of partner with, with peeps that want to be a part of this project that I'm doing. So for example, um, you know, f folks, uh, you know, like, I don't know, Sanctuary Studio, for example, you guys, you, you uh, helped to activate this one lot. And I did these great big words that say the love lot in Kensington, right? And this place has been so activated with, with, with uh, resources and care and food and meals are, are being given out every day to folks that are in, in this challenging neighborhood. And, um, and so, so anyone can just donate anything they want, like 
you name it, adoptive, and it goes towards these projects that I do. So it could be a particular uh, wording that one might want, or it might just be towards, um, hey, I want I want to, you know, give a little bit of money for one of your hearts the next time you go out and you do a project. Here, here's a little bit to buy your yarns for that project hat, you know. So, so I have a Facebook page called Adopt Defense Sponsor a Shag, and it's it's just sort of like this ongoing uh, project of mine where I partner with people. When I say partner with people, the partnering really is in the funding and the ideas, but then I just go out and I spend all day and I uh, tie, cut, tie, cut, and make these shaggy textile pieces on fences and have wonderful conversations with people throughout th throughout the process. And, you know, sometimes they're, they're, they'll, they'll be there. The community wants to help out. They'll help me tie a knot and I'll have a conversation, take a picture. But then when it's all said and done at the end of the day, you know, that community is left with a piece of artwork for their, for their fence in their neighborhood on their lot. Right. And, and that makes one feel like their community is valued because someone's invested something and beautified a place. And that is profound. Yeah. That gift that you're offering. So yes, everyone listening, please check out that Facebook page. And if you're not on Facebook, I'll have in the show notes where you can contact Catherine, who's really doing this renegade gorilla work. Um, Adopt a fence, sponsor shag. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. People like, Hey, meet me at the heart at the corner of, you know, where and where. And, and, you know, they become like little touchstone markers for hope, right? Little touchstones of this beautiful little piece that is now theirs because it belongs to the neighborhood, belongs to the community. Mm. Well, you do so much incredible work in the world with your art activism. And I love the Oscar Wilde quote, life imitates art far more than art imitates life. And I'd love to hear you take your take on that quote. I love that. Yeah, I was, I was reflecting on that a little bit myself. And I was just thinking like, you know, the, the meaning of, of life imitating art is that it's like to find, to find expression, right? To find a way to, to celebrate, to celebrate beauty. So it's like, you know, the, it could be in the process or in the, the expression of it. it could be in the process of, you know, winding my bobbins or, or sharpening my pencils, right? But it's like, it, it's, it's really affirming and honoring and respecting like that process of, of how, of what we got to do in life. You know, we got to show up, we got to do the work, we got to sharpen the pencils of our mind, you know, we, we, we have to just like really take care. So that, that's, that's how I, that, that's what, how I see that, that quote of Oscar Wilde. You know, I read that and I was like, wow, that's, that's cool. Let me reflect on that. And so slowing down, what are other gems that you can leave the listeners with? Slowing down, sharpening minds. How do you, how do you personally do those things? You know, I do that, you know, and it kind of links with like early, your earlier question of like, what, what do I do for my own, my, my own practice that helps? Um, and so it's like, for me, it's like, you know, I literally, you know, I, I talk to my plants, you know, <laughs> I sharpen my pencils because sometimes Kilkenny, like, I don't know what my next weaving is going to be, or I don't know what my next painting is going to be. So, you know, I like show up and I take a step towards the process. 
So, you know, quite literally. Another practice that I, that I do like very um, consciously is I am naturally right-handed, but I very consciously take time using my left hand, you know, to, to, to open doors, to turn on the faucets, to, you know, whatever, whatever it is. It's just like to really sort of shift. And that helps not only with like proprioception and like the way that the brain and the act, active neurons are working, right? But it's also like a real way of mindfulness. So, um, you know, I, I feel like, you know, that, that like real direct expression of, of what I do in my life to help support the practicing of my artwork. You know, I, I, another thing I do is I, is, you know, I literally, I, I cut a piece of string off of one of my balls of, or my uh, cones of yarn. I try to do it every day, not always, but often enough. Um, and I literally, you know, I have this, this blessing that, that was like a aha moment for me. So I literally like tie a piece of string and I speak a blessing and I put that on my wrist just to help, help me like remember and focus. Right. You know, another thing I like to do is just like, I, I, I like to sit, sometimes it's on a chair, sometimes it's on my mat, my yoga mat. You know, I like to like literally touch certain parts of my body very intentionally, my feet. Uh, your listeners don't know, but I, I have some mobility challenges. So like I really very consciously give attention, give, you know, active loving to parts of my body that it's like, listen, hello, listen, please help, you know, please, let's all like work together here, you know, I'm loving you, I'm supporting you, you know, and another thing I love to do is fragrance, you know, that's in the morning, like a ritual that I do is like, you know, I love the smell of nutmeg and cardamom, so like, whether I'm drinking coffee or not, it's just like, like un unwinding the jars and like smelling I'm taking that moment just to like breathe, like you were speaking earlier about like just breathing, being in the moment of now. Mm, thank you for sharing your personal rituals with us because that's so much about what being a, a, a modern mystic is, is creating rituals, creating patterns, creating these neural pathways of peace mm -hmm. so that doing these simple acts, whether it's with our senses, which is one of the most profound ways to do it, whether it's scent or like you said beautifully, the like actually the sense of feeling because you tie something around your wrist, right? So you're, you're embodying ritual and these acts remind your psyche and your heart of, of that which matters to you. And yeah. so I really thank you and really encourage listeners to find their own modern mystic practices that are simple and profound that remind you of what matters to you and the path that you want to live and what sets your soul on fire, as yeah. Catherine mentioned earlier. I want to get to one more thing before we close, because it's just another aspect of your profound work that I think will inspire people listening. You know, we live in such a youth worshiping culture and our aging population is growing. We've got this expanding faction of baby boomers and 
bringing these folks art is an incredible way to support their mental health. And of course, mental health supports physical health. So Mm -hmm. would you mind just giving a little quick, sweet elucidation on your work with the aging population and how you've seen firsthand how art can directly improve the quality of our dear elder folks' lives? Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so so once a week for the last 19 years – uh, for two hours, once a week, I go and do an art studio with who I refer to as my nanas and my pop-ups. So, you know, it's this like little uh, studio that we have. And so, um, you know, it's, just, it's, it's just this wonderful way of just like coming together. And as, as, I, as I think about like, what, what are some of the activities that we do? Because, you know, every, everyone's sort of challenged with uh, with my group. They're challenged with different you know, physical or mental challenges. So it's like, what, you know, what sort of things could I leave the listener with, with, um, with working with the aging population? Because I think it's so important that we figure out ways to really connect with, with, well, well with that, anyone and everyone, but especially our seniors, right? Um, I think, I think it, it, it's just something that's so needed in, in our culture. Um, and so I know, like this morning, for example, um, I had, I had like a, a little aha moment with a neighbor of mine who's going through some physical challenges and, and the aha moment for me was my language. We were talking about language earlier, Kilkenny with, with speaking with folks. Um, but the, the language of like asking folks, like rather than say, can I help you? It's, you know, do you want to ham with that? You know, it's such a subtle distinction but I feel like, you know, the experience that I've had with working with, with some seniors, you know, it's like we all, you know, a lot of seniors, like they, 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 they may just want to feel, they feel so vulnerable that they just want to be invisible, right? And so what we want to do as people is like really be gentle and be tender and be present. Can't stress enough the importance of what we were talking about earlier of just like being so in the now with with our seniors with our dear elder folks you know and isn't it also too like it's complex i know sometimes Mm -hmm. you know you said about them wanting to feel invisible but then often the phenomenon conversely of then they feel invisible because there's a phenomenon at a certain age you know elderly people aren't so looked at and even noticed in our society. So what you're saying is so beautiful. Yeah. And precisely. Thank you for, for, for fleshing that a little bit. Cause you're so right. You know, you're so right about that. And, and you know, all the more reason why it's so important to, to just slow ourselves down so that we can spend really good, good quality time with people, with our, with our dear elders, because those are the kind of subtleties that, that folks really feel that, that they're not being rushed, right? You know, that you're not dashing from one thing to the next, right? Um, so to, to really, to, to, give, to, to give the listening and the attention. I, I feel like I interrupted you. I, um, I, I had another couple of things I was thinking about sharing with the elders. Yeah, please do. Do you, do you want me to? Yeah, because yeah. I, I was just feeling like, or thinking like um, some of the, you know, some, some of the things that I think are really helpful um, is, is touch, you know, is it, just like putting your hand on, on one another's shoulder and, um, 
and, 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 and asking questions, you know, and I do this with my seniors, um, you know, after, dur- during our art studio, we all sit around the table, but, you know, I really like to be real and just like acknowledge, like call the, call the elephant out in the room, like with, with emotions that we might be feeling, like if we're feeling overwhelmed, if we're feeling scared, if we're feeling, you know, X, Y, and Z, just like, you know, really having it be a safe space to, to share emotions and, and, and vulnerabilities and, and to, and to be real with one another and really listen and to, and to hear, hear what our elders are saying. Um, and, um, you know, to, to, uh, to like a, you know, you know, like a real practical kind of art exercise. I don't know if that would be helpful. Because I, be, I, I was going to ask you to offer yeah, something. Okay. Yeah, because I because I feel like I feel like you know it could be it could be so simple like you know tic tac toe you know like writing writing a little tic tac toe thing on a piece of paper you know a lot of stuff that I do with my group in the art classes is we draw circles and then another larger circle and another one and we color them in and we do these incredible patterns right and so sometimes you know each person has a paper in front of them and you know I'm sort of like drawing a circle on my paper and then holding it up and then they'll draw a circle on theirs and each person you know is sort of going along and I think it's a really good way to sort of gauge and see the person that you're working with how they're doing how they're responding how they're listening how they're able to respond with their with their hands right because you want to you want to really get into the other person's shoes into what they're able to do right mm. we really want to you know we, we want to know um, um and the other thing I, I really think is important is like ask asking questions like i was mentioning before like among themselves but you know with you to them just like and, if, and of course if it's your family member you already might know the answers but like ask deep ask other questions that, that open them up to tell you stories to tell you have them share, have them talk, have them daydream, have them, you know, really explore their imagination. And, um, and I think, I think that's really important to, um, you know, in a culture where like, like you were saying that our elders often feel neglected or invisible, that we really want to do our darndest to be very attentive and focused you know, and now and present and listening, like really just really listening and, and completely there. Mm, yeah. I love that. So sweet and so mm. helpful for all of our listeners, I'm sure, to hear those tips. I love what you said about patterns, right? Because that's not so overwhelming. You can make any pattern. Well, you that- know, I, yeah, the one thing that I do referring to per- patterns, thanks for saying that, was, you know, it's, it's, it's a great exercise, whether it's with our elders or with with myself I do it as one of my one of my rituals when I'm on the bus like I was saying earlier it's like I love looking for and noticing patterns because that mm-hmm. is a that's a great way of like helping to be mindful with the here and now what you're doing so that's a great that's a great one looking oh, for yeah. patterns I haven't oh. heard that one like as a practice oh it's a practice but, yeah. because so much of what you know the path of the modern mystic is is making our lives a masterpiece I mean that, that's the choice we can live life and have life live us or mm-hmm. can we be masterful and like an artist take this life that's such a gift and use the canvas of our 
our life to make a masterpiece? And can yeah. we keep remembering with consciousness, with practices to move towards that experience of living, that life yeah. is a masterpiece and we are the artist. And I love that looking for patterns. It's a great mindfulness oh, practice. Yeah. So sitting in a room with any group of people, you can just look around the room together as a group and you can point out the patterns in the in the blinds and the floor and the cabinets and the ceiling and the, you know, you can just, or, you know, yourself, you know, going about your daily life, you know, look at the patterns in the, in the cement and the brick and the hubcaps on the tires and how they're different from the hubcaps on the next car ahead and, you know, and the patterns on the leaves. And, you know, it's just like, so, it, and it's inspiring too. It gives you ideas for, for the next, for the next, for the next project or, or place that you're going. Mm, so wonderful well i think we should end there and i i wanted to ask would you mind sharing please the eloquent blessing that comes with your gorgeous art pieces called blessing vessels i love mine i have mine in my bedroom and the beautiful benediction that comes along with the purchase of each one of these and that i know you bless your groups that you work with yeah and this is this is a, a blessing or a ritual that we do at the end of tuesday tea and textiles and i sometimes do with my seniors it's just like a way of, of anchoring all of us so i get a piece of string um and so the blessing is when you find sorrow in your heart may faith hope and love comfort you when you are afraid and overwhelmed may you find courage and support let the string I tie on your wrist remind you of the precious dear one you are and let your life be a blessing with your resolve for peace. Mm. Tie it on your wrist. And, you know, so if I'm saying it to myself, which I do, you know, I just, it's, I just change the pronouns. You know, let the string remind me of the precious dear one that I am. Let my life be a blessing with my resolve for peace. You know, when I'm afraid and overwhelmed, may I find courage and support. You know, when I find sorrow in my heart, let me, let me anchor to faith, hope, and love, you know. And so the string, the string is just a good, for me, a good way of, of a visual reminder. Mm, visual reminder of all those rituals mm, thank you for those punctuating words and we'll have that blessing in the show notes for you for those who would like to incorporate that into their ritual and their moment to moment day to day life Yeah, Catherine what a journey you have made from a professional artist in galleries and all over and then adding your truly revolutionary leader ship and community activated art and taking it to the streets. <laughs> and I'm so excited to announce that Catherine is going to be donating to anyone who becomes a Patreon patron of mine from now through September 30th, 2020, a beautiful hand woven one of a kind, unique blessing vessel. This is an artwork piece that contains the gorgeous poem that she just read at the $30 level you can donate or $50 level and you'll receive a free work of art. So thank you, Catherine. And if you're listening to this after this time, you can still donate on Patreon backslash modern mystic love at four tiers, four different levels. Um, and you can still receive an amazing discount on this blessing vessel even after September 
30th. So thank you so much, Catherine, for this amazing offering to my supporters. Catherine, thank you so much for your leadership in the art world and for your truly luminous work that is redefining what and how art can impact lives, celebrate diversity on all levels, and ignite healing and change. And thank you also for being on the Modern Mystic podcast today. Thank you so much. It was wonderful to be here. Namaste. Mm, Namaste. Thank you for taking these words in. I hope they ground, inform, and inspire you on your journey of the mystic path. If you like what you heard, please write me a review on whichever platform you are listening. Also, check out my exciting Patreon page at patreon.com slash modernmysticlove, where I offer all sorts of uplifting yoga classes, meditation classes, and other amazing offerings from my guests on this podcast to all my incredible supporters. Even folks who donate at the $5 a month level are so appreciated as every cent helps this busy mama of three. Or check out my website, modernmystic.love, where you can purchase yoga videos of all levels with me, ranging from gentle yoga up through advanced asana and also meditation videos there. Keep on meeting the present moment where the magic lives, one breath at a time. Namaste.